Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. All right, it's time to hear the word. We're going to close our sermon series entitled, Who is Jesus? Um, we've only preached on this three to four weeks. It's impossible to, to explain this title in four weeks. So I don't know if at some point throughout the year, we're going to retouch this series on who is Jesus. Because we've only touched four aspects or qualities or traits that Jesus exhibited through scripture. Um, so I want to encourage you all, uh, if you haven't heard the, the past three, that you go on our, iPod, our podcast and you can get uh, up to date as well. And, and use that podcast as a witnessing tool. And, and just let other people know what God is doing. So let's get ready to pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for giving us salvation. We thank you, God, for forgiving us, for paying, my God, the price that we owed, my God, that we were, and that was pending, God. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, God. And now, Lord, we get ready to hear what you would want us to hear. God, I pray you speak to us. I pray you speak through us, God. And as I share your heart in the heart of your people, my God, that they may be changed, that they may be transformation. If there's someone here, God, who hasn't had the opportunity of giving you their heart, Lord, and live for you, that today be that day, God, that change may break, God, that, that the decision may be so simple and so radical, God, that we may leave out of this place with Jesus in the center of our hearts, God. And so I give you glory, I give you praise, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Stay in the piano because, you know, if not, I'll take long and I don't want to do that. Uh, let's go to gospel according to St. John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. We're going to read about 22 verses. And so if you don't have a Bible, it's okay, just... Uh, look at the screens with me. Go to the screens with me and read alongside. John chapter 4. We talked, uh, we've been talking about who is Jesus. And today I want to talk about Jesus is more than enough. Somebody say, Jesus is more than enough. Touch your neighbor, tell them, Jesus is more than enough. John chapter 4, verses 3 through 24 reads, In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Jesus was on his way to Galilee. But he made a pit stop, and it says now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat by the well. It was about noon or the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then it explains why. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who is it that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and, I ha and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, you want that water? Here's the deal. Go get your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. As a matter of fact, you have had five husbands. Good God Almighty. Imagine her status every other month. And the man you now have is not your husband. You have just said quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. For God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Word of the Lord. First Sunday, we talked about explaining who was Jesus. We said that Jesus is compassionate. We said that Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And we said that Jesus is sacrificial. Second week, we talked about Jesus is the Christ, the Christos, the crushed one, based on Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus and Peter has that conversation where Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells Peter that upon this rock, he will build this church. So Jesus is the Christ, the Christos, the crushed one. And last week, Pastor John talked about Jesus is madly in love with you based on Matthew chapter 21, 12 and on. When Jesus turned the tables, he acted madly, but he did it because of love. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus. Oh, God, and I'm excited about this message today. Let me tell you, I'm excited. Jesus 
is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. Touch your neighbor, tell him he's more than enough. Come on, tell him he's more than enough. Chapter, chapter 4, verses 4, 3, 4, and 5 tells us that there is a urgency in Jesus. Very seldom times in scripture do we see Jesus acting in urgency. As a matter of fact, there's an occasion in scripture where there's a literally a storm. The disciples are frantic and paranoid, yet Jesus is laying in the core of the boat, sleeping in the middle of a storm. No urgency. No paranoia. He's simply resting, sleeping in the middle of chaos. Yet this scripture gives us and shows us the urgency of Jesus going to a specific place. The Bible says, now he had to go through Samaria. That phrase, had to go, implies there's an urgency. It's a non-negotiable. It is emergent. It is paramount that Jesus goes to Samaria. Now understand this. When we, when we read the scripture, we're, we're thinking about you, you have to put in place distance. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a service and while you're in the service, you feel the urgency of eating Pastelillos al capuria. Let me contextualize it. Uh, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, 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 taquitos, burritos, empanadas. Uh, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know. Not in this church, because this church we have so much church, we ain't got time to think about food, right? You're right. But I don't know about you. I, you know, I, I've been in some places that while I'm there, in my mind, I'm already seeing. I see myself making the line, getting ready to order number two, getting ready to eat a, a taquito, getting ready to capuria. I mean, I'm there and I'm looking, and, and there's a sense of urgency. But Jesus is acting this morning in a sense of urgency. His urgency is not to go preach in the temple. His urgency is not to go in the middle of the Sanhedrin and teach the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes of the law. This is not what is causing an urgency in Jesus' life. Rather, it says he had to go to Samaria. Now, he wasn't going to Samaria. He was going to Galilee. He's in Judea, wants to go to Galilee. But John says, he had to go to Samaria. Now, the trip from Judea to Samaria was a six-hour trip. So it's not like, you know, it's not like you come out of church, okay, I, I got to go to Malau real quick before I go home. No, it, it wasn't that trip. It wasn't, before I go to, to the house, uh, I'm going to stop by at, at Carabas, or I'm going to stop by at, at the loop and the street. No, 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 no. This is a six-hour journey. He says, I have to go to Samaria. And he gets up on his way six hours. 
to get to a place called Samaria. Which means, if it's a six-hour walk, he must have woke up six hours before he got to the well. So, the Bible says he met this woman at the sixth hour. Which means the sixth hour is 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Which means if Jesus met this woman at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, that tells me that Jesus left Judea at 6 in the morning. At 6 in the morning, he wakes up his disciples and he tells them, we got to go to Samaria. He didn't tell them why. He didn't tell them who he was going to meet with. He didn't say what he was going to do. He simply, can you imagine waking 12 men at 6 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. No, no, no. If they meant 5.45. At 5.45 in the morning. If it was women, he had to wake them up at 3 in the morning, you know. <laughs> Woke them up at 5. Fellas, we got to get up because I got to go to Galilee. But before I get there, I have to go to Samaria. And when he gets to Samaria, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And when he gets to Samaria, he finds a woman called or titled the Samaritan woman in the middle of the day by herself at the well. I don't understand. You wake me up 6 in the morning. To preach to thousands. Wake me up at six in the morning. Walk for six hours to speak at a convention of 20,000 people. But you're going to wake me up at six o'clock in the morning to speak to one woman? And by the way, a hoochie woman. If I'd have been Jesus, hey, John, you go preach for me. Uh, uh, Peter, Peter, you go, you, you go. And when he gets there, he finds a woman by herself at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, what was this woman doing at the well in the middle of the day? Because traditionally, church, women would not go to the well at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Traditionally, women would go to the well at 6 o'clock in the morning. Because they will go to the well to draw water, and that water they will take to take showers. That water, not the same water, but different one. That water they will take to cook. That water they will take to clean. Everything they were going to do that day was based on whatever water they were going to draw. So they had to draw early in the morning before the sun came so that all the women can go to the well. And you got to see this, the well of Jacob, early in the morning, there are dozens if not hundreds of women waiting to get their portion of water early in the morning so that they can cook, clean, so that by 12 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's having supper. But while everybody's having supper, there's a woman by herself at the well. So Jesus wakes up at 6. The same time the women are pulling water from the well at 6. 
If I had been Jesus, I would have woke up. I would have left at 1 o'clock in the morning, get there at 6, and do a revival service with all those women at the well, and preach a message at the well, and preach Jesus at the well, and get all these women sanctified. No, no, no. He said, I'm not interested in these women at the well. There's a woman that I'm interested that nobody talks to, that nobody reaches out to. That's the one I'm after. Listen, the God you serve is not interested in the masses. The God you serve is interested in one that none should perish, but he has a heart for the one. It was at six in the morning that the woman would come together to draw water, but it wasn't just to draw water. It was, we're going to get water, but we're going to chit-chat. We're going to draw water, but we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to put ourselves up to speed with what's going on in the city of Samaria. Because whenever women get together, whether it is shopping, whether it's exercising, whether it's Taibo, whether it's whatever it is, somewhere in between the work, there's always time for gossip updates. Child, you heard about so-and-so? You heard what happened in her house? You heard what's going on in tent number three in Samaria village, corner number five, plot two? You heard what's going on in the child? And while they're pulling out water, they're putting themselves up to date. They will get together to catch up on what's going on in the city of Samaria. They will put each other up to date with what was going on. And just like then, some of that stuff continues to happen today. People come together to gossip. Matter of fact, people come together to praise the Lord. But after service, those 30 minutes after service, I, I'm not telling you because it's gossip. I'm just saying so we could pray about it. Devil is a liar. And you have an hour and a half of worship, and you throw it down the drain for 20 minutes of gossip. If anybody wanted to know what was going down in Samaria, all you had to do was go to the well at 6 o'clock in the morning. Because everybody knew when women come together, no stereotype, when women would get together, listen to me. If Jesus were some of us, we would have made it to the well at 6. If Jesus were some of us, we would have woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning, make it at 6, and be up to date with what's going on. Because if you wanted to know the gossip and what was running down in the city, all you needed to do was stop by the well. Listen to me. These women will wake up every morning with water in their hands and gossips in their hearts. These women will wake up with water in their pots and a distorted view of life in their minds. I'm here to encourage you. Don't waste your morning dishonoring God as you talk about your neighbor in the house of the Lord. So Jesus decided to start his journey. <laughs> the same time the women decided to get together and talk. So he leaves at 6 in the morning to get to the well at 12 o'clock noon. 
I'm intrigued by his urgency. We have to go to Samaria. So what was Jesus' urgency in going to Samaria? It wasn't to be updated. It wasn't. It wasn't to sit at the well. It wasn't to chit with the women. It wasn't to be surrounded by multitudes. What intrigued Jesus in saying, I need to go to Samaria? Which, by the way, Samaritans and Jews cannot stand each other. Jews belittled them because they were a mixed race with Samaritans. Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles. It was a distortion of different gods and different acts of worship. And so Jew, as a matter of fact, when a Jew would see a Samaritan walking down the street, they would literally cross the street because they didn't want to find themselves in the same road with a Samaritan. And if they couldn't cross the street, what they would do is they would look to the ground as if to say, I'd rather look at dirt than dignify you by giving you my attention. To a Jew, a Samaritan was horrible. For a Jew, a Samaritan was the worst of the worst. And it is at 1 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning that Jesus says, I have to go to Samaria. Why the urgency? If they're a mixed race. Why the urgency? If Jesus is a Jew and they're Samaritan, why the urgency? If he's supposed to ignore them, why the urgency to go to Samaria? Because of the paradox between who Jesus is. There's a controversy. There's a disjunctive. There's a predicament between Jesus, the Jew, and Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Jew, has issues with Samaritans. Jesus, the Messiah, wakes up at 6 in the morning and says, we have to go to Samaria. But here's the deal, that Jesus, the Messiah, in John chapter 4, wakes up the 12 guys. We have to go to Samaria. But here's the problem, because Jesus, the Messiah, in chapter 4 of John, is speaking. But Jesus, the Jew, spoke in Matthew. And look what he says in Matthew's chapter number 10 and verse 5. Look what he says. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles nor enter any town of Samaritan. Jesus the Jew told them in Matthew, whatever y'all do, y'all better not go into Samaria because Samaritans are heathens, they're Gentiles, they're not worthy of the gospel. But now Jesus the Messiah wakes them up at 6 in the morning and he tells them, I need to go to Samaria. What produced this change in the mind of Jesus? And let me just say this, church. Rules are not more important than people. The Jewish rule said you can't hang out with Samaritans. The Jewish tradition said you cannot connect with a Samaritan. But Jesus is not concerned about the rule over about people. If there's something in the heart of Jesus, is loving even the worst of us all. But sad to say, sad to say, there are many Christians 
who live a Christian life with the spirit of Jewism or Judaism rather than living a life with a spirit of the messianic God. We as believers and as Christians, we cannot be the type of Christians that we live with a mindset of a Jew with laws. Listen, this is not about law. This is not about steps. This is, no, no. This is about come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke and easy, easy, is easy and my burden is light. I'm here to tell you the God that's inside of you is the God. When he dealt with you, he didn't deal with you as a Jew. He dealt with you as a Messiah. When you was messed up, broke, perplexed, disturbed and jacked up he found you in your Samaria and he reached you out now that you are on the other side we gotta go to Samaria and get the broken and the hurting and the rejected and the sinner and bring them to the foot of the cross he says I gotta go to Samaria now he doesn't just tell us he went to Samaria he tells us he went to Samaria and he went to a village in Samaria called Sakar. Sakar. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has come to your Sakar. Listen to me. What does Sakar mean in Hebrew? I'm glad you asked. Sakar means to put to an end. Jesus says, I need to go to a place where Jews don't want to go. I need to go there. But when I go there, I'm going to a place called Shakar because I need to put an end to a situation, not in the lives of a bunch of people early at 6 o'clock in the morning. I need to put to an end an ongoing crisis in the life of one woman. Jesus wanted to bring an end in something in Samaria. There was an existing thirst in Samaria that needed to come to an end. There was a desperate woman that needed an end to her crisis. This woman had no friends. This woman was alone. This woman was disillusioned with ministry and in her search for water to quench her thirst and every morning she couldn't make it in the morning and every noon time she was by herself and Jesus is on his way to go to Sakar to put an end to the crisis of this woman. I'm here to tell you today the Lord brought you to Sakar to put an end To put an end to your thirst. To put an end to your pain. To put an end to your despair. To put an end to your frustration. To put an end to your disappointment. And nobody knows your frustrations because you're at 12 o'clock by yourself. And nobody knows your frustration because you, you, you have not surrounded yourself with anybody. And nobody knows your disappointments because you're by yourself, cocooning your house, cocooning your world, cocooning your depression. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus woke up early in the morning and he told his disciples, we're going to go to Samaria. There's a woman that I know God's had a purpose in her life. There's a woman that's going to change the city of Samaria in Acts chapter 5, but I got to wake up in the morning, and while everybody's going to the well at noon, I'm going to go in the middle of the day, because there's a woman that needs to know I am more than enough. 
Verse 7. Listen to me. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her. That's crazy. You know what I like about Jesus? Jesus knows why he went there, but he ain't tell the woman why he's there. He creates a scenario to cause her to establish a dialogue. He gets to the well. The woman shows up. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? She came to draw water. She came to get water. Just like many people here today. You've come to church to get. I'm coming to church to get a word. I'm coming to church to get a healing. I'm coming to church to be encouraged. It's, it's that consumer mentality. I'm coming to get. I'm coming to receive. They better be anointed because I want a good worship. He better be powerful because I, I want a good rhema. The AC better be cool. The coffee better be tasting great. The, 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 you know, it, it, it's a consumer mentality. She came to get out of the well. And in the middle of her wanting to get something, Jesus asks her for something. She says, I'm coming to get. And Jesus made a request. Knowing that she came to get something, he asks her, give me first. This request made no sense. Because Jesus knew that the Samaritan woman came to get water for herself, yet he asked her something from her that she was not willing or prepared to give to Jesus. And here's what's crazy. He asked her what she didn't have. He asked her what she did not have. She did not have water, and Jesus asked her for what she did not have. He said, give me to drink. So I ask you today, what is it that the Lord is requesting and asking you and your excuses? I can't give it to you, God, because I don't have it. Verse 9 through 10. The Samaritan couldn't understand it. This guy's asking me water. Look what it says. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How are you asking me for a drink for Jews and don't associate with Samaritans? And Jesus answers him, Mama, Mama, Mama. She was Puerto Rican. Mama, if you knew the gift of God and who is it that asked you for a drink, you would be asking me and I would give you living water. She's like, we don't get along. But listen to me. She says, your people don't like to be with my people. But let me tell you something, church. Jesus is not like the rest. Jesus operates in a different spectrum. Jesus wants you to know in the middle of your preconceived notion of who he is, here's what he wants you to know. There's two things he wants you to know. Number one, he wants her to know these two things. Number one, if you knew the gift of God. I know you know the laws of men. I know you know what Jews do. I know you can't hang out with us because after Jews says you can't. But, 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 but I want you to know, if you knew the gift of God, number one, and number two, and if you knew who is asking you for a drink, you're operating by what you know in the past. But Jesus is saying, I want you to operate by the knowledge I want to give you, which is why I woke up in the morning to have an encounter with you. He tells her, I know you know what people are saying about you. 
But I want you to know the gift of God. I know you can't come at 6 in the morning because you're the talk of town. But I want you to know there's a gift. I know you're afraid to be exposed to the women. But there's a gift. You knew the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God. Jesus is saying, if you give me, then I will give you much more than you could ever give me. God, I wish I could preach this. And when she finally catches it, she says, Lord, I have nothing to draw with. I ain't got no well. I ain't got no pot. This is me. She says, I want to help you, but I ain't got nothing. How many times we do that? Lord, I want to serve you, but I ain't got nothing. Lord, I want to serve you, but it's just too rough. Lord, I want to give you my heart, but I just can't do it. Lord, if you only knew the hell I'm going through. Yeah, but in spite of Jesus knowing that you ain't got nothing, he is asking you to give him what you have. The woman was tired of secretly going to the well by herself. The woman was tired of living in the shadows of life. The woman was tired. She was tired. She was tired. And I'm sensing in my spirit that there are people tired. Tired. You're tired of hiding in the shadows. You're tired of hiding behind a mask. You're tired of, of, of you know, of exposing yourself. And you, and so you camouflage yourself. And you, and you live incognito. And you live below your surface. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not afraid of your mess. Jesus is not intimidated by your shortcomings. Jesus is not intimidated by your disillusions. In the middle of all that, he's going to ask you the quintessential question. And that is, are you willing to give me to drink are you willing to give me first the woman was tired but then she says okay I'll get from the well I'm closing and Jesus says oh you want some of this water okay go get your husband that's like a that's like a that question doesn't that statement doesn't go with the discourse you want water? Okay, go get your man. He's like, oh, I ain't got a man. He's like, baby, you got that right. Because you've had five husbands, and the one you have now ain't yours. If I'd have been Jesus right there and then, mama, goodbye, get away, you're a little hoochie. But he doesn't do that. Knowing her condition, he reveals himself to her. Knowing her condition, he reveals himself to her. The conversation when it started, she first called him a Jew. How was it that you're a Jew speaking to me Samaritan when Jews and Samaritans don't get along? Him knowing she had five men, husbands, and the ones she having hugs, him knowing that, he said, this woman can't just know me as a Jew. Listen to me. Because all she knows about Jesus was religion. All she knew about Jesus was tradition and law. So what does she do? She calls him a Jew. And what does Jesus do? He reveals himself. To now in verse 19, she calls him a prophet. She calls him a prophet. You must be a prophet. Because ain't nobody know I have five husbands and the one I got in mind. But Jesus doesn't just want to make himself known as a prophet. In verse 25, he reveals himself as the Messiah. So he says, okay, you know me as a Jew, you know me as law, you know me as rule, but I am more than law, I am more than rules, I am more than tradition. Now you know me as a prophet, I got the word to bring correction, but there's more than that. If you know me as a Messiah, your life will change forever. 
Jesus came to Sakar to put an end to this woman's despair. Jesus came to Sakar to put an end to this woman's crisis. Jesus woke up that morning saying, I am all that woman needs. I am more than enough. I am more than enough. And he encounters her. And she evolves from seeing him as a Jew to seeing him as a prophet and seeing him as a Messiah. And when you read Acts chapter 5, listen to me, Acts chapter 6, it says, when Philip went to Samaria, there was great joy in that city. And God began to heal and cause revival all in Samaria. That revival in Samaria in the book of Acts was attributed to this woman in John chapter 4. Because she went back to Samaria and she started causing a revival in her city. The woman who was rejected and marginalized was the catalyst that God used to change an entire city. Jesus was more than enough to the Samaritan woman. Jesus put an end to her problem. Jesus put an end to her religious conflicts. Jesus did that by revealing himself as Messiah. Jesus put an end to her disorderly relation. I like Jesus because when he comes up, when he comes up in your life, he changes everything. He changes the way you think, the way you walk, the way you act, the way you do. When he comes in your life, he turns you around. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.